Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that affects your agency and organization. Today, we have Brian Glass, Director of Strategic Services at Invisium. This is part two of our interview with Brian Glass about the OWASP Top 10. Hello, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, I want to pick up on our previous conversation that we had about the OWASP Top 10, in particular, uh, some of the things that are ongoing with the formation of the Top 10, the adoption of the Top 10. Recently, I believe about a month ago, a month and a half ago, there was a global OWASP Summit in London uh, for key projects, and the OWASP Top 10 was one of the projects that was part of the summit. A lot has been discussed regarding the top 10. So I wanted to get your take on, you know, where we are with the top 10. Uh, what are some of the progress that has been made? And really what the community is saying about the top 10. In particular, I know that you mentioned that there are some vulnerability categories that we use to map to CWEs in this new release, RC2, Release Candidate 2. Of course, I would like to know from you, how will this change impact organizations who religiously use the top 10 in their AppSec programs? Well, honestly, this really shouldn't be a major change for them. Um, historically, most of the top 10 categories could be traced back to CWEs. Um, in 2004 and 2007, it was actually titled the 10 most critical web application security vulnerabilities. Um, even when this terminology changed a little bit in 2007 and started referring to them as risks, it's still more about the general risks that the vulnerabilities represent rather than just the incident rate. The hope is that basically we're providing people with a better way to understand the root causes of the vulnerabilities and align them with industry standards. Um, the top 10 really needs to be testable considering how today it's used in the industry as a security baseline for both compliance and vendors. What were some of the lessons learned from the initial pushback from the community regarding the top 10? And what is the future direction for the top 10 from here on out? That's a nicely direct question. Um, definitely, we, we've learned the need for clear process and communication. Um, we've also learned that we need to clearly state what the top 10 is a list of and for whom. Um, there's been a good bit of confusion about the use of the term risk within the context of the top 10. And so we're working on clarifying um, what is meant by when risk is used within the top 10. And so hopefully within RC2, we should be able to help clarify some of that. For 2017, um, as we mentioned coming out of the summit, um, we decided to do a bit of a split. And so there's going to be eight of the 10 items that are going to be out of the data call and two out of the industry survey. Um, while it's not perfect, if it was all from the data, it's all looking in the past. If it's all from a survey, people are asked, where's the numbers that you base this off of? So we're, we took a hybrid approach and we're planning to take lessons learned from both the data collection, the survey, and then this interim period to, to build a process and structure for future data calls as well. So we think this could help define well in advance what data needs to be captured and what questions will be asked so that we can collect good solid data for 2020 and beyond. Um, so a lot of the focus right now is 
you know, we're on a really tight timeline to get 2017 out before the end of November, and it becomes the top 10 2018 if we don't. Um, and then once it gets out, then we can spend more time trying to figure out what we've learned and what needs to be done for 2020 and beyond. For the listeners who listen to this podcast who may be interested in contributing data, what type of data or what type of data sets are you looking for that will provide some concrete concrete information uh, to allow the OWASP top 10 to be what it's meant to be? So, I mean, that's a good question. Um, and unfortunately, we're finding it's a lot harder than we were hoping it would be. Um, I mean, we have a lot of data that's in there right now. Um, some of it's from manual processes. Um, some of it's from a lot of automated scanners. The the preference, if at all possible, is, you know, data broken down to, um, you know, instances per app that you find common vulnerabilities. The uh, data calls generally structured around CWEs to try and provide some common standard way of comparing different vulnerabilities to each other. Um, obviously, data that's been um, from findings that have been vetted, um, their known good findings is very valuable. Um, a lot of the data we have, um, we know is from automated tools that have had some level of um, tailoring and tuning for false positives, but we also know that some of the data we have and will continue to get will contain some false positives. Um, and that's just something that we have to you know, figure out how to structure around uh, and work out. But if, you know, you can look at, um, there's a recent OWASP blog post, um, and there's also both Twitter and the mailing list as well. Uh, there's links to the data call, so you can look at the spreadsheet and you can look at the questions asked. Um, it's not, uh, it's not, not necessarily where we want to be at some point, but it's a good starting point. Um, so... Uh, hopefully that it gets us enough data that not only can be meaningful this year, but also helps us reach a critical mass to where we have a better idea what to improve in the future. Do you have any information about the blog post that you were just referring to? It's the uh, OWASP blog on Blogspot. So that's the OWASP Top 10 2017 project update that was released on Wednesday, August 2nd. Appreciate that. And that gives our listeners something to to chew on, review, and potentially figure out how they can participate. I'm assuming after the summit, there's a refocus to really move the top 10 in the right direction. What is the right direction, I should say, for moving the top 10? I mean, obviously, modern software has changed since the inception of the top 10. So what should be what are some things that we should be focused on with the top 10 now since modern software is a little bit has evolved and things are a little bit different in the whole development environment. So, I mean, one of the things uh, that the top 10 was traditionally focused on was specifically things that developers were writing or not. Um, one of the things we have to ask is how far do we go into the new expanded role of a lot of developers? Um, 2013 with A9, you know, new, using known vulnerable components kind of touched on that a little bit, that uh, for a lot of developers, their role and responsibility is expanding. Um, and so it's an interesting, uh, interesting balance. There's a number of people that want the top 10 to be purely risk and have a lot of different things in it. 
Um, from my perspective, looking at it the way it's used as a baseline, I'm really of the opinion that it needs to be testable. And so that makes it an interesting balance in that respect. Um, so the, the top 10 has to be careful to make sure that it clearly carves out what it is to be used for. Um, but thankfully, OWASP has a lot of other projects like a Proactive Controls project and an uh, Application Security Vulnerability Standard project um, and some along those lines to help fill in the other gaps, uh, the software assurance maturity model and things like that. Brian, a lot of times we talk at the developer, we don't talk to the developers. So if I'm a developer, how does the top 10 apply to me? Um, it Remember, it's a baseline. It's a starting point. Uh, it's not a program or a holy grail of security, but it is a good baseline. So read it, ask questions, read more about the categories that are in it. Um, then learn if your language or the framework that you write in might actually help you prevent those vulnerabilities. Some of them actually are well written in that respect where certain types of top 10 vulnerabilities don't really show up in a, in a framework unless you specifically remove protections um, that were put in there to defend against them. Uh, figure out what coding patterns you need to use and common pitfalls. And once you get through that, then expand and figure out more categories you can defend against. It's really an iterative process. Um, the top 10 can provide you with basic techniques to prevent, to protect against these vulnerabilities, but it also provides guidance on where to go from here. Brian, this has been a great follow-up to our initial conversation around the OS top 10. Um, now that the summit has taken place, I, I believe you guys have your marching orders to really try to get the RC2 uh, release out uh, before the end of the year. And, and hopefully the top 10 can be a mainstay and really be used to improve AppSec in organizations. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Hey, man, appreciate your time and we'll chat later. All right. Thank you. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. We want to thank our guest today, Brian Glass. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.